Well, while things have come to a bit of a halt here in Australia, following the Queen's death, the same can't be said of the United States, where there never seems to be a dull moment. To bring us up to speed, I'm joined now by regular US correspondent Bruce Shapiro. Bruce is contributing editor at The Nation magazine and executive director of the DART Centre for Journalism and Trauma at Columbia University. And a pleasure to talk to you, Bruce. I'm usually a listener and now we're speaking. How lovely. Hey, Ellen. Good to be here. This is an extraordinary story, uh, a disturbing development about press freedom. An old-style shoe-leather journalist, an investigative journalist, uh, allegedly murdered in connection with his work. Tell us about it. Yeah, this has really kind of put put a, a, a jolt through the media community in the United States. Uh, Jeff German, a, a highly regarded local investigative reporter in Las Vegas, uh, at the uh, Las Vegas Sun, a reporter who put in years doing, digging at the grassroots in that community, um, was brutally assassinated, stabbed in front of his, his home um, last week. And the person arrested for it, captured, it seems, on video, um, was a a local politician, a local low-level elected official uh, who German had been reporting on, um, had been not even doing huge front-page stories on, but had been systematically reporting allegations of abuse in this guy's office, um, hostile work environment kinds of stuff. Um, You know, it was really, really a jolt. And, you know, it's interesting because on the one hand... um, Investigative reporting is is always carries some risk, and there have been other times in American history when um, reporters have been murdered for their work. I think of um, 1977, for example, a reporter named Don Bowles at the Arizona Republic was assassinated, blown up in his car by local mafia figures whom he was reporting on. Um, Chauncey Bailey, a reporter in uh, Oakland some years later, was uh, killed. So these things have happened from time to time. But this particular case, this particular assassination at this particular time has kind of caught the attention of the journalist community and of mm. press freedom advocates generally because we are at a period of unprecedented hostility, abuse and threat mm. directed at reporters. But the, 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 um, the ca- this case in particular, I mean, before we get to the wider implications, yeah. there is something um, deeply tragic and ridiculous about this. This is, a, this is as I said, an old-style shoe-leather journo in Las yeah. Vegas, of all places, who's reported on the mob, who's yeah. killed by the public administrator, the clerk in the office that handles the estates of dead people. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. Allegedly yeah, no. killed by a raging uh, clerk. Yes. And uh, let me also correct. I said the Las Vegas Sun. He used to work for the Las Vegas Sun. He's actually for many years now, but was at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, Yeah, this is not the biggest target an investigative reporter in Las Vegas could take down. Okay, Um, And the stories were, for the most part, not even on the front page of the paper. But um, this official... 
uh, who, as you say, was responsible for ministering the estates of people in probate, um, lost his reelection in June, uh, in part because there was you know, so much negative attention, so many allegations from employees of the office he administered, um, and I, you know, the presumption is that he he blamed Jeff German for this, stalked him, uh, confronted him at his house, and murdered him. And, you know, on the one level, this is absurd. Mm. On the other hand, it illuminates something very important going on now. Um, You know, I spend in my day job when I'm not talking to Late Night Live, I spend a lot of time in newsrooms talking to journalists uh, about the various challenges they face. And I've never, uh, there's never been a time, and I've never experienced a time, when local reporters covering exactly these kinds of seemingly low-level controversies were facing the kinds of of threat of violence um, that they face now. Mm. Um, There's a a newsroom in New Hampshire, a public radio newsroom, where... uh, a, a reporter who was covering, again, similar kinds of things, abuses in addiction services in New Hampshire, uh, in a for-profit addiction company, has had her home repeatedly vandalized, uh, probably, it seems, by the target of, of her investigation. I've spoken to reporters who cover school boards, cops, courts, traditionally non-political mm. beats, who are now routinely being threatened, are thinking twice about covering meetings alone, are having to go through safety training for fear of attack. And while we don't know yet what was in exactly in the head of the murderer of Jeff German, we do know that for the last really six years, um, at the very highest levels of, of American politics, mm. um, beginning with Donald Trump, um, there and, and extending up until up through um, Governor Ron DeSantis just a couple of weeks ago in a kind of notorious TV ad, um, there has been not just media bashing, but explicit endorsement of threats against journalists, which is giving cover, which is giving permission to angry minds to take their troubles out on members of the press. It's pretty chilling. And you, you think of those expressions, don't you? Enemy of the people and so on. How much is it also about the, the fracturing of the body politic in the sense that there isn't a respect for a truth, even an uncomfortable truth, because it can be dismissed as fake news. And there isn't any view of objectivity because CNN will give you this brand of news, they think, and uh, uh, Fox News will give you this brand of news and you can choose between them and and they are entirely subjective. Um, That's what people have been led to believe. Well, certainly, you know, the, the repeated the constantly repeated dismissal, not just of, of journalists. We're, look, as journalists, we know we're entering realms of controversy and people will get angry at us. But the dismissal of factuality, right, um, it, that fracturing you're describing is a part of the problem. That said, I, I think it's a mistake to see 
these attacks on journalists, not metaphorical attacks on the press, but physical attacks on journalists, it's a mistake to see them as sort of collateral damage of this time. I actually think that they are a primary factor. If you go back to 2015, um, shortly after Donald Trump went down the big escalator to announce his campaign, the very first act of violence associated with his campaign was the physical ejection of a journalist, Jorge Ramos Horta of Univision, from one of his press conferences when Ramos Horta was persistently asking a question and then candidate Trump had his bodyguards throw him out. That was greeted with relative complacency in the moment. Um, it seemed to teach Donald Trump a lesson that you can physically attack journalists and kind of get away with it. And ever since then, not just press bashing of the old Spiro Agnew type that we saw in the 1970s, blaming the media, capital T, capital M, but physical attacks on journalists have been part of the a key part of the American political landscape. I, I think it actually, attacks on journalists give permission for other things mm -hmm. rather than just being kind of collateral damage to a generally polarized climate. Very it's interesting. It's a fundamental part of what's going on here. Huh, very interesting. So, um, Alex Jones, one of the biggest peddlers of um, disinformation, uh, is about to go on trial for a second time. Uh, now, this is the... Um, See, I've got to stop and think because <laughs> we have defamation <laughs> laws here in Australia. Uh, yes, grub is the word that sprang to mind. And let's go with that, shall we? Um, who said <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that the Sandy Hook massacre of, pre uh, you know, kindergartners uh, never happened. Is he getting his comeuppance, this grub? Well, you know, it, this, of course, relates to, to these attacks on journals and the attack on factuality. And Alex Jones is a primary um, engine of the attack on factuality. Um, look, today, a, a few hours after we speak, um, Jones is going on trial in Waterbury, Connecticut, about 15 miles up the road from where I'm speaking and an equal distance from the town of Sandy Hook where those children and teachers were um, murdered, right? And the, the, while Jones did absorb a, a $50 million fine a few weeks ago in Texas, this Connecticut trial is different. First of all, it's different. It's, it was brought by the Sandy Hook families uh, who uh, claim defamation because Jones went on air saying that the whole thing was fake and that, that the children who died and the parents were crisis actors. Um, you know, this whole thing, um, he's already had one fine, but in Connecticut, under the laws here, there is no limit to punitive damages uh -huh. in this kind of case. The expectation is that he, he may receive, uh, fines in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and, you know, if you, th if you go back historically to the McCarthy era, another great period of hysteria in American history, that was effectively ended by a, 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 a classic defamation lawsuit brought by one of the targets of the blacklisters, a radio guy named John Henry Falk, who had lost his job in a, a, a famous, famous trial that really broke the blacklist. There is 
some possibility, I think, mm-hmm. that a huge defamation award in this trial, which is really just about about the award itself, uh, Jones has already defaulted by refusing to cooperate in the trial. So this is just about how much punishment he gets. Yeah. Um, I, I do think this may cause some of these um, grubs <laughs> uh, going forward to, to rethink the strategy, yeah. you know, yeah. if it could be very costly. Um, we'll just have to see, but it's going to be an interesting week of judicial theater quite consequential for our political debate going mm, forward. Mm, mm. What a strange situation for two journalists seem to be cheering the idea of damages from defamation. But still, nevertheless, three consolidated lawsuits, 15 plaintiffs of people who have said enough. Wonderful to talk to you, Bruce. Thanks, Alan. Bruce Shapiro, contributing editor at The Nation magazine and executive director of the DART Centre for Journalism and Trauma at Columbia University. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.